Well, hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to Just Think, the podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to challenge you to try it along with us. I'm Holly Brewer. And Amy and Kristen Ludwig. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and we are, if this is your first time and joining us on the podcast, we are three women who have come from across the political spectrum. All three of us hate politics. But we have been on a mission to figure out what's true because we no longer believe what we're being told and sold. That's for sure. We think there's a money trail to a whole lot of things that gives a whole lot more information about what's really going on in this world and in who's really in charge and what the motivations truly are. And we will cover a variety of topics. Today, we want to talk about Afghanistan. Um, I mean, listen. I, I am no expert on foreign diplomacy. Yeah. I don't you? think any of us are. We have never, I mean, I know I speak for Kristen. She just walked out of the room for a second, but um, we have never really paid attention. Yeah, I think the first time really in our lives, well, I remember like Desert Storm, you know, you kind of remember that growing up. And then of course, after 9-11, we all got really um, heightened to foreign relations and things like that. But um, we've kind of been in this bubble of like, feeling safe and protected and like, okay, we're good. And, um, and then it's just like that all came crashing down last well, week. And I think that brings up a good point. I mean, don't you think that we as Americans, you know, 9-11 was the first time there was like a foreign attack on American soil, right? Where there was an act of terrorism, of course, that was too, uh, like, I mean, it was horrific uh, scale of an act of terrorism against our country. And that's when we as Americans have to kind of wake up to the reality that since we're not fighting wars on our own soil on a you know regular basis, that perhaps it is easy to live in a bubble. And it right. is easy to um, just check out and not really understand what you know what's going on and what role we play as a country in it and I think it also you know um I saw some really good tweets this week from different Twitter been on fire I mean I mean keep up (laughs) no it's there have been some good ones um but basically some people calling for clarity for a minute to say hey America you think your country's so bad Welcome to the Taliban. You want to see uh, an evil dictatorial rule? Um, take a look over here. And you think, you know, if your biggest concern is what pronoun someone's using to call you today, and that's not, listen, that's not even a commentary on that whole conversation. It's right. just to say, if that's the biggest worry I have today, maybe my worries are big. Right. Yeah, You're right. 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 You know, right. I'm blessed. Yeah. And while we're ever arguing about who's wearing a mask and who's not wearing a mask. Right? Yes. You know, um, who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated. Now we're seeing that people are going to be, women completely <coughs> have no rights now right. over there, um, are being slaughtered in the streets. Yep. Um, we Sold into like, slavery. Or- perspective and right. realize how lucky and blessed we are to live in this country. Exactly. A to the men. So I think if everybody could just take a collective pause and say, as imperfect as we are, you're not going to find a country that has more freedom than the United States. I I would, I would argue that you're not going to find that and that we're not perfect because we are human and we're run by humans and humans aren't perfect. Okay. We're never going to be perfect. But I think that uh, as Americans, we are collectively striving to be better. And, um, and that freedom isn't free. It's not something that we're guaranteed. I think this is the other thing I want my children to understand is you have been bought with a price. 
And that price is still being paid for every day by people who stand on the line and say, I will defend the freedom of Americans today. And, right. and, and that not just our military, and, and this is my call to every friend or any listener of this podcast, we have an obligation to stand for freedom as Americans and to push back when the freedoms are being infringed upon. You know, the thing that makes America so unique is that it is a country that when in its foundation says that freedom is born into every American because it is granted by the creator, right? Those certain unalienable rights, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it puts government in its place by saying, your job government isn't to grant rights. Those, those rights are granted by something far greater than you. Your job government is to defend their rights, to protect right. their rights. And other countries don't come from that perspective. That is not, they, they, they come from a perspective where they believe government gives the rights. Guys, as Americans, that's not our history. That's not our foundation. We are a country that believes God gives us our rights and the government has to stay in its place to defend and protect our rights, right? And so when you're looking at what's happening in Afghanistan and the unfolding, and, and for those of you who aren't sure, I mean, it's you've had your head in the sand. We're gonna ask you to get it, pull out of it for a second. Um, the Biden administration basically evacuated Afghanistan this week. Is that a fair way to say it, girls? That's a fair way to say it. Um, and I think that, I think we can all agree that absolutely we've been over there too long, okay? We went over there to fight against the, to eliminate the threat from 9-11. And that was in 2001 and it's 2021. So 20 years, um, the threat was eliminated you know, the Taliban was, and it wasn't even the Taliban back then. It was like, um, what was the other one? The Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, yeah. Which and Osama I bin Laden or whatever, right? Are they the same? the Taliban, but uh, Al-Qaeda is a separate thing. But then the things I've read this week is that they do, the Al-Qaeda does hide under the Taliban. So in other words, it, it okay. does work in conjunction with them. Okay. And I think there's just been this, I guess, from what I'm understanding as I'm learning more, is that like our troops have been over there because it's such a fragile situation that pulling out and leaving is dangerous for Afghanistan, the Afghanistan people. And, and, and it's very, um, it's just a fragile situation and you have to do it exactly correctly. You cannot, it has to be very well thought out, planned out. And that's why it's taken so long. Cause it's like, how do we do this? How do we do this? And so I think we can all agree that yes, we need to be out of there. They need to, sustain that we have, we, they needed to sustain their own country. You know, they need to be able to do that. But I think it was the way it was done. Right. That was so abrupt and shocking and almost like nobody even knew that it was happening. Like even, it was just, I don't know. Did y'all get that sense? Like, yeah, well, because, because <laughs> oh. during the Trump administration, he had said, we're going to change the number of troops, right? If I'm, y'all correct me if I'm wrong. Trump had said, we're going to change the number, we're, we're going to pull out some of it, this because we cannot be the government of Afghanistan. In other words, the United States could support right. the Afghanis in their own stance, but it could not be the government of Afghanistan, which I have to say I would agree with, okay? Like my, my stance politically for my, probably most of my adulthood is I think we ain't got any business in a lot of the stuff over in the Middle East. Like I, I, I really struggle when we get involved in other countries' wars because I just feel like we got our own stuff to handle over here, okay? That, that's just my personal opinion. 
well like and I mean same with like you know we're spending time over there you know like building schools and trying to trying to make them into a nation that is like America but they never even asked or wanted that they you know they just needed help with I guess the threats of being taken over by a terrorist organization um but meanwhile you know over here we have schools and and we have so things that need attention yeah. right yeah I mean and I think that that leaves a lot of us Americans going, um, what, what are we doing? Why, why are we over there? So I think that to be fair, uh, the Trump administration had said that there will be some changes, but that they they supposedly had a plan for that exit. Of course, then the administration changes because Trump loses the election and then Biden's elected. And then now suddenly, apparently Biden had said 9-11 would be the date that we pulled out. Did y'all hear this? Yeah. 9-11. And then I thought that was really a weird date to pick. That's number a one. weird date. And number two, I kind of feel like it's weird to uh, announce it ahead of time. Like, isn't that telling the enemy? Right. <laughs> what it's right. like, hey, by the way, I don't know. I mean, and I, these are all just, this is an opinion type um, podcast today. You know, we're yeah. just learning and trying to just like work through our thoughts. Yes. And I'm just, that's one of the thoughts I had is like, aren't you never supposed to tell the enemy what you're up to? And it's like, <laughs> hey, we're. We're going to yeah. be leaving on Tuesday, just FYI. Then maybe, <laughs> unless that was a strategy, and then pull out before yeah, because they're expecting maybe. that. I don't know. I, don't know. But, um, I will oh. say, we don't no, uh, well, okay, so let's just submit this as question number one. If Biden says we're pulling out on September 11th, our question number one is what, what just happened this week then? We are confused. Is that fair to say? If someone can answer this, we would really like to know the answers because there's a lot of information out there and we're not sure who to believe. One thing that I do want to, to play, if you guys don't mind, is there was an army that, that, um, that was on MSNBC and they asked him about his opinion on this. And I really appreciated what he said. Let me see if I can, okay. First Lieutenant during the war in Afghanistan, former combat advisor with Afghan security forces, co-founder of No One Left Behind, a veterans organization that offers services to former Afghan and Iraqi interpreters who resettle here in the United States. Mr. Zeller, it's uh, almost ironic now to state the name of the organization you founded, um, given what we're watching go on, though I'm curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president, didn't run from it, he owned it. He owned his decision, he owned the fact that as he put it, the buck stops with him. I hope he gets to own their deaths too. I, I don't, I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound bold faced lie in that speech. The idea that we planned for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation. 
Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks that we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. We've identified all of them for the government. I have no idea why they, 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 he claims that people don't want to leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who want to get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this, do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. When you're not getting paid on a regular basis, when you're not getting fuel, when no one is supplying you with ammunition, and yet you're still showing up to the fight, how dare us for having to blame these people for not having the audacity to be able to survive a Taliban onslaught? No, no, no. What we need to be doing right now, and what I am appalled that the president didn't say, was we need to be talking about how we're going to get every single one of these people out. Because let's be abundantly clear. People like me looked these people in the eye and made them a promise. We promised them that in their time of need, we would take care of them. How do you ever expect anyone to ever trust us again if we don't do that now while we can? And I'm sick and tired of trying to defer the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan on what we're going to do. We're the United States of America. They're terrified of us. I have... Afghans on the ground right now who are telling me they're going door to door in Kabul and they're making lists of people who used to work with us. They're telling them with smiles on their face, evil smiles, that they're going to be back for them once we leave. So we either take them now or these people are going to die. I've been trying to tell anyone who will listen. This is a never again moment in the making. This is an administration that seems to be a profound champion of human champion and defender of human rights. Well, sometimes human rights have to be defended at the barrel end of a gun. The Taliban are a modern version of the Nazis. And if this was Dresden, do you think British, sorry, not Dresden, if this was Dunkirk, do you think British, um, you know, yachting pilots, the British captains that were sailing their boats heroically into uh, Dunkirk, do you think they were asking on the beaches if the people they were picking up were Brits or French? Or do you think they were just trying to get people away from the Nazis? Every Afghan we leave behind is going to be left behind to a horrible existence. And if we don't take them now while we can, that is as much on us as it is on the Taliban who will hang or behead them. Joe Biden. I mean, that's a lot to wrap your head around. Wow. Wow. I just feel like that that three to four minute clip is so indicative of what I'm hearing repeatedly from people who have served um, over there and who are very concerned about the Afghani people and are very concerned because for 20 years they did make them apparently, you know, these promises that we're in this fight with you, we're with you. And then they, th their, their take on this is that we've abandoned these people. And I, I'm telling y'all, I haven't slept good um, ever since this has happened. It has weighed heavily on me. Me too. Me too. The women, the children, the young girls, and then these, these soldiers, when he said, they show up to fight without fuel or ammunition, but they they show up to fight nonetheless. And if you've seen videos of these men, and 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 already I've seen some very disturbing footage of them executing um, uh, translators. I, I mean, I can, I I really I struggle to even have this conversation, girls. Like it's it it's it, it is heavy on me to think about what they're going through. And I don't know what the answers are. Um, and I am not an expert in this, but I am an American citizen sorting through the information that is being presented to us. And I just have some questions like, um, 
Why didn't our president take questions after he makes his announcement owning the decision? Uh, why didn't he take questions? I don't think he's taken questions once on this topic. When he no, was he asked, yeah, he didn't take but, questions and then he left. And then he also kind of put, shifted some blame on the former administration oh, and yeah. shifted some blame to the Af Afghan government and soldiers. Um, so I wanted to point this out too. One other question before I point something out that somebody told me, um, and maybe I'll said this, but um, but why didn't we warn or help the allies and the people first? Like if it's going to be like a quick whatever, like it's almost like it happened. It was a surprise to everybody, right? I mean, is that a dumb question? No, I mean, like, so we have all these so American uh, American tr like translators or workers, like American citizens are trapped over there thinking they had more time, even if they, I, I don't know. So then my other thing is, I was talking to a friend yesterday and her brother has been to um, Af Afghanistan three times. And he was saying that he was like part of the, I'm pretty sure he was the one that was like part of the group that was actually helped training their their military and, and stuff. So, and they were so appreciative of us from what she said. Now, of course, it's secondhand what I'm trying to remember what she said, but he, they, they would always be so appreciative. And they said, we, but if y'all leave, we're done. Oh yeah. Because they really, you know, and I know we probably know that, but that is exactly what it is. So it's like the minute they leave, it's so corrupt. She said that like the Taliban, you know, the Taliban or whatever would say, you need to come with us or we will kill your family. So then they do it because they don't want their family to be killed. And then they kill the family anyway. Mm. And so, and then even with this, um, there, there's a girl we follow that's really good on um, Instagram. It's called Smart Her News. Amy got me started on her. Yeah, it looks like Smart Her, like yeah. S M A R T, and then capital H E R News. Yes, she is very, very middle of the road, factual, everything. And she's been interviewing a girl that's over there. Uh, is she a journalist? I guess Holly. Yeah. And um, so to hear the firsthand perspective, it's very interesting too. And she essentially validated the same thing that my friend was saying that it really is just that it's so corrupt and and they can easily have hundreds of thousands they don't have air air you know airstrikes and stuff but they can easily get anybody to fight with them just because of the corruption and the and and this right fear. well they said yeah. and you know it's so weird too is when you think about I mean there's so many weird things but like 300,000 Afghan soldiers and the Taliban was like 79,000 yeah and they came in and took it over in less than two days without even one hardly single gunshot. Yeah. Just quietly. How does that, how does, how that, does happen? that happen? Like, how does that happen? I think it, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong, but right, it's the perception that once the American forces have exited, there's no power. The fear, as this man said in the clip we just played, he said, the fear, they're afraid of us. But the minute they know we're gone, the, the Afghanis will fold to the Taliban because it is a perception of power and fear, right? That's like, that's, that again, this is what we've been talking about since we started this podcast. Fear is a powerful motivator. Right. Fear, that fear that somebody, keep them afraid. I'm going to say it again. You want to keep someone, uh, control them, keep them afraid. And they are afraid of the Taliban, but they're afraid not having us there as, I guess, their crutch and their support. It's so hard to think that our soldiers have spent 20 years training them to fight yeah, and helping them build up their stuff only for them to, and I'm not trying to blame them. I'm just sitting here thinking like all that time, all that training to help them empower them to take care of their country or fight. You know, it's like, 
And it's like, so the minute we leave there, they just roll over, I guess. Well, and we left behind all of the, the equipment, the billions of dollars in equipment that now the Taliban will have. And, and then, you know, China has already said they're going to rush right on in and support this new government, apparently. Something, something to that effect, which I have seen some military people, um, you know, hypothesize that, oh, this is great. Now they're going to see how our equipment works. They're going to see what we've, you know, handed over to these, to these, you know, foot soldiers, basically. Um, I mean, it, it's, it seems like it's a disaster on every front. And I just want to understand, and I wonder, and, and maybe we should go back and look at this girls under the Trump administration, when he made the announcement that we'd be pulling out of like Syria, for example, right? Like, let's just, did he, didn't he take questions after he made this announcement? Didn't he take questions from the reporters? I swear, I'm almost certain he- I, would, there. I mean, I don't know that I would think that any- I just don't know. He did not, it would be all over the news yeah, and everybody would be like so mad. Yeah, um, I mean, I just think that if this was under a different administration and um, and it was any president other than Biden not taking questions, um, I mean, I think if Obama hadn't taken questions, if Bush hadn't taken questions, if Clinton right. hadn't, taken, I can't imagine. Um, I, I can't imagine that would have gone over well. How is our president getting a pass? The only thing I can imagine and hypothesize could be the reason is that the American press knows and so does the american public that we ain't dealing with a full deck over here in this administration i mean i will say the the leadership that i feel that we have right now here in america is terrifying to be honest with you and it's weak and this is a full-on this shows you more than ever like holy crap like this is this is how how can we feel safe right now really Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't. I mean, I'm going to be, I don't want to perpetuate fear at all, but I really right. don't. I mean, come I don't. on. No, it's, this it's is when scary. leadership needs to rise to the occasion. Yeah. Step up. I mean, somebody, one, somebody tweeted, I think it's Tim Kennedy. He's like a, um, he's former Afghan. Um, he was a U.S. Marine, I think. Yeah. But he said in a tweet, he was like, um, the, all of the Taliban soldiers are currently concentrated in Kabul right now. FYI, like I just say it. When opportunity knocks, like hello, and head, the entire week regime is all concentrated. <laughs> can we not just like can we take them out? Yeah, <laughs> how does that work? Well, it, I, I, I will. T- I, mean, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys before, but when I, um, I think I did share it on a podcast that in 2016 or 2017 after the election. I was in Europe, I was in England, and uh, Trump had just been, you know, months before had been brought in as president. And people had a lot of opinions about that, both pro and negative towards Trump. And as an American, they just wanted to talk to me about like, you know, what was going on. And it was fascinating to me, girls, that even people who didn't like him, their remarks to me, and I mean, this happened time after time after time, they would say, well, nobody's gonna mess with the United States right now. And I will, I will remember the first time someone said that to me, I was like, what do you mean? They're like, they, he has control of the most powerful army in the world. Like he's crazy. If, if somebody were to, you know, screw around with y'all, like they're going to, well, at the time I was like, you know, this, he was a new president and I was like, okay, you know, I, I just, but I can tell you the perception of average ordinary, um, you know, people in England 
they really had this perception that we now seemed stronger because of who our president was, right? That there right. was a there was a fear. And, you know, basically, I mean, I know that people, there's a lot of people who don't miss the tweeting, but, you know, when a similar situation happened and Trump um, did, was it to Iran or Iraq? I have the tweet right here. I'm Can like, we? sometimes mean tweets are good. You know what I'm saying? Like this one. What did he so. tweet? This is a nice posture to, to feel safe. This is his tweet to the Iranian president at the time that says, never ever threaten the United States again, or you will suffer consequences the likes of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. We are no longer a country that will stand for your demented words of violence and death. Be cautious. And that was in all caps. Notice all caps. <laughs> I mean, not the inflection in Amy's voice. That was from the all caps. As an American citizen, <laughs> I mean, I tend to appreciate feeling like, Thank you know, we're yeah. ready to, we're safe and we're taking care of our, our people. people. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's, it, it's indicative of, of a leader that's not caught unaware but who is instead being proactive in defending the United States. Whereas right now, I feel like we're back on our heels and I'm not sure what's happening and I don't know who's in charge. And, and listen, this is not a commentary. If, I mean, we're not saying, um, you know, we're not making a commentary about anything other than to say that perception is reality and the perception the three of us feel right now is a lot of uncertainty, fear and concern. And whereas you may not, or we may not like tweets and childish banter, um, I will get real behind a tweet that tells Iran, yeah, F around and sit, find out. Like, I, I'm sorry, but I'm all about that posture. I will tell you right now, because guess what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened after that. Right, yeah, lots of peace. Right. Yep, I, I, I'm, I'll be the first to say, I, I, I kind of miss some mean tweets. I'll be the first to say it, I don't care. And you I can do that all you want, but I'm going to tell you something. I appreciate leadership. I appreciate leadership. And I understand. I totally understand how there is a divide in this country over this stuff. I get it. I get it. But I am telling you right now, I am appreciative of strong, assertive leadership. Even if it hurts some feelings, I am appreciative of that in these circumstances. Sometimes I, I relate it to, I guess, from being a nurse and stuff, like when you have a a turd of a doctor with the bedside manner but if he or she knows their shit mm -hmm. and you know you can trust them with your life your body you you know that they're the best one for the job yep i mean of course we still want the bedside manner you know all this stuff, but i will take the the asshole personality to make sure that i'm getting the right person to do the best for that job okay that's a great analogy so, so I kind of feel like, you know, but, I mean, you could have a really nice doctor that's like sweet and, you know, yeah. blowing steam up your Beauty body and healing, but Beauty if they don't, healing. but if they don't know what they're doing or, you know, so it's kind of, that's where I've had, that was my kind of analogy with, I think that's fair. And I think that's where we all feel. It's not even, listen, I don't even care about what pilot, like their party or, or the person right. at this point, I'm just talking about the leadership style. I think let's, let's clarify. I am talking about the leadership style here. I will yeah. take the mean tweets if it means that that they're put on notice and having witnessed it traveling abroad of the perception of the U.S. being stronger under a leader who, while he may have been volatile and whether you think he's, you know, off his rock or whatever. OK, but 
there was a perception that like don't don't mess with the United right. States. Do you think that the Taliban would have come in and taken over the way they did without um, some kind of recourse right now? No, no, no ma'am. Hell, no. no. And look, and I'll be the first. Day, I was one of those that like every time Trump would say something like you know some random tweet, I'm like, no, he's he keeps discrediting himself. Like he's acting childish. This is oh my gosh, this is the president of the United States. Like yeah. trust me, I was having these feel. I was having these feelings, so I get it. And I, I didn't. That was when I really wasn't one way or the other or whatever. You know, it was just that like, I was like, oh my gosh. But then I started realizing everything that was good at that time. And like, that's just like, that was just his thing. Well, it's the, actions and, it's the actions in the world. It's, it's like, the we've just been so used to having politicians speak so eloquently, eloquently and right. they just tell you all these yes, things. Because they blow and shiitake up your right. hand. And then it's <laughs> like all this talk, no action. And like then we politics. have somebody who's like crazy talk, but... <laughs> Yeah. I do, and I feel like in ladies can let's talk to the female listeners right now. Like we, I get, I get it. Like when we hear people with like strong banter and like, you know, just sounds like I, I went sometimes, what did they call them? Like a schoolyard bully? You know, when, when Trump got accused of all this, I, I get, I get why people say this. Right. I totally get it. Um, and I, I'm not finding fault with that at all. I, I am saying, as I think as women, something that I became really passionate about in, in recent years is, can we've got to set our feelings aside about that personality and look towards what is the policy? Yeah. Because policy is what's going to affect your day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. And that's what, um, and, and I remember a friend saying, I don't know what Trump's policy is. I just hate his personality, so I can't vote for him. And I was like, I get it, but you better know what policy the person you are voting for stands for because that will impact your life. It is going, and look, we're living it right now. You know, yeah. I mean, right now what we're living under, whether, you know, from the leadership of, of so many different things that are going on in our world, it is because of who we're voting for from a local level all the way up to the presidential level. And this is where... Um, friends, I really think we need to get out of the two-party system where we are just re-electing these jackasses time and time and time again. Seriously. I mean, and they're on both sides. Like you just, you know, both sides. Oh, come on. Can, we, can, can this, uh, like, I think the, the blame game of blaming the administration prior for anything that has to do with this. Yeah. Like, Let's go ahead. Like you gotta and stop I mean, now. And that you gotta can, stop now. Now, and sometimes that is the case. Sometimes you are cleaning house. Like, and that happens. That happens sometimes. But you can't. At some point, you have to say, "Okay, now I gotta take, gotta ownership. take ownership." You know, whatever. You know. Well, at but, the end of the day, no matter what's happened, what happened this past week happened under the Biden administration, for which right. he should be held accountable. For which he should have to answer questions. But that that decision was made under the Biden administration. The actual decision to right. get out in that manner. And yep. that quickly and stuff. And and when we are talking about females, you know, one thing that Holly, this this journalist that um, they were interviewing, she's like, she showed up like in on a Thursday and it looked like a normal town. Everybody's like walking around, like going to stores outside. They're not, their faces aren't covered and everything. Yep. And she said by Friday, she said she started feeling like this, a different vibe. She said by Saturday, and I may be getting like the days wrong or whatever, but whatever she was saying, she was like, all of a sudden it was, quiet it was like deserted nobody's there she said can you imagine women who are like 
18, 19, 20 years old, they've lived free, at, you know, as free oh. as they can be. And now they Go have on. not no freedom, nothing. Well, this is like a text says, um, Afghanistan is on the verge of collapse. Innocent women and girls will not be allowed to have an education. Girls as young as 12 will be forcibly married to Taliban and raped. Women and girls will be killed for not wearing their hijab. 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 Yeah, um, Where are all the feminists and activists now? Because that's the other thing. It's like, Bueller, where are you at? Okay. Yeah, we talked a lot of this, you know, this feminist stuff. And then something else that I thought was really interesting too, is like, okay, we, we entered Afghanistan in 2001. We spent $3 trillion, 240,000 people have been killed, 2,442 soldiers lost, um, more than 20,000 soldiers wounded, 90 billion in the name of preparing the Afghan forces, and then we leave and hand it right back to the Taliban. Without a plan, it says leave without a plan. And hand, hand Afghanistan back, back to the Taliban. So where did that money, like, like that's a lot of money, okay? And that's our money. For what did, what did we get with that? Like, what did- What's the return on investment? Yeah, exactly. what's the return on investment? I, I mean, this is something that I like, I do wish we had like some military folks on that have served and have been a part of the, the, the strategy and the process that can explain that to us. Cause I really do want to understand. I'm sure there's been a, I mean, I, I am sure we can find people and I've read some some excerpts from people that people have written that have served that have said it was worth it to help these people who do care about freedom. It was worth it. I, I, I understand all that, but I do think um, it's just like that, the clip that we played, that guy was one of the ones saying, we could have gotten the equipment out. We could have gotten all the Americans out. We could have gotten the Afghanis that helped us out. He was saying there was an escape plan that it had been submitted many times. It was supposed to be enacted, but it was not. I will say that my, my friend that was talking about her <laughs> that had been there, deployed there three times. He was also part of the forces or what, whatever group that was sent to just start they were supposed to start destroying the we the weapons like the humvees the weapons and stuff but she yeah. said you have to realize this was like however many years of equipment and military stuff so I, I think they had started it, it but maybe it's a process and maybe they have to I, mean, I don't know how any of this works but then it's like all of a sudden stop it's like you know we've got this plan I mean this is just now look we're asking questions y'all because I don't know. This is just what hearsay from people who have been there or who are there now that we're stories we're getting. So if y'all have more information, we would love to hear it. You know, I would love to know all the sides and just really wrap our head around and grasp how can this be good? How can we make this better? How can we get these Americans home? What can, I mean, what can we do? Maybe there are things that we can do. I mean, these are the things I'd like to know. Are, is there a way to, to, to do something as an American who feels pretty helpless right now? I think that, you know, we don't have a lot of information to give you guys today because we're still sorting through this ourselves. But I think we want to ask you all to join us in asking the questions and to put any political ideologies aside this is not Republican, Democrat. This is just as an American. Ask yourself who is in charge and why are they making the decisions they're making? And how does that impact not just Afghanistan, but how is that ultimately impacting America and her position in the world today?
because right. I, I do feel that there's a lot of people saying we are a lot weaker today than we were six months ago, nine months ago, two years ago. Um, and, and, and we need to start paying attention to why, because we haven't had, thank you, God, a tax on American soil in a long time. But I am getting concerned that that's what's next. Absolutely. So here's one other question. And then I want to read y'all something from um, a friend. Um, but anyway, I also have the question of like, we've seen this plane full of Afghan, mostly men, not women and children, mostly men that were being evacuated from Afghanistan, um, a plane full, I mean, thousands, but yet Americans are still stuck there. And exactly, they have not been evacuated. And even, and also the Americans that haven't been evacuated, um, they basically told them from what I've seen is that Oh, to find oh, your way to find your way to this airport. We're going to begin trying to get you soon, but we cannot guarantee your security as you make this trip. Yep. Just yon 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 yon. Well, and they did. Someone said on, in the comments of that, you know, like just you know, they've never really had like guaranteed security. But I think in this kind of position, it's like it. Like they even said in a press conference, they're like, "Yes, we've sent texts to tell them to make their way to the airport," and it's like. Is that how it goes down? Like, just say, after all this know, time, oh, by the way, we just, we just bolted. Y'all can get home if you could get, get there. Good you know, luck. I don't know. I don't know. And well, they, also, what about, I mean, of course, the Taliban's going to find out about these texts that are all over American news, by the way, right? I mean, there's no secret that we're telling them to get to the airport and then you don't think they're going to try to oppose people leaving. I mean, this, it, I, I, again, clearly, I'm not in the military, and I don't know military strategy, but I just thought that was a real bad idea to put that out there. But here we are. Just yeah. Make your way to the airport. We'll try to get you home. I mean, frightening. 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 Well, one last thing real quick is I have a, we have a Canadian friend, and her brother um, is in the Canadian military. Um, and she, she messaged me because she saw that I'd posted some th things on you know, about Afghanistan, because I just have questions. And she was like, do you want me to talk to my brother and just kind of get his perspective on what's going on? And I said, absolutely. I'd love to hear his thoughts. So this is what her brother said. So she's, he did not fight in Afghanistan. He was about to deploy there, but then he ended up, his tour ended and he went back home. But here are his points. Number one, it was time to leave the fight with the Afghanis and take a specialized support role, like air power, intelligence, special force trainers. Number two, the Afghan military and police were 300,000 strong and well-equipped, but they had no air power. Number three, many in positions of power in Afghanistan were and are terribly corrupt. Number four, Biden is responsible for the chaos and death that will happen now because it was his decision and order for a precipitous departure that was made without notifying the allies or getting the 10,000 US citizens out first. Number five, the allies needed to keep air power in place until the Afghan military and police were able to do it themselves. Um, US foreign contractors were doing the maintenance. Number six, all of the US citizens and Afghan folks who were at risk should have been evacuated before. Number seven, Bagram Air Base should have never been abandoned. Number eight, the allies should never have been abandoned by the US, which is what happened. Number nine, they should ha have never abandoned all of the weapons, ammo, and military equipment. They basically made the Taliban one of the most heavily armed, 
Islamic and hostile nations on the planet, only behind Iran. Number nine, the Islamists have a global win there, essentially consolidating a huge landmass of Islamist land mass hell-bent on destroying the U.S. and her allies, often referred to as the West, which includes, which includes Canada. Number 10, I'll bet China and Russia will be landing their planes at Bagram or Kabul airports with humanitarian supplies in before, before <laughs> the week is out. And this is the frightening one. Number 11, lastly, I'd predict another 9-11 style attack in the West within two years. If you are not worried, you should be. Mm. Well, you know, Dan Crenshaw um, pointed out, he said, uh, few deny we needed to take action after 9-11, but few understood what our strategy would be after we got there. Leaders failed to explain that simply leaving would allow the Taliban to reemerge and again provide safe haven for terrorists. With this growing impatience, the case for cutting our losses grew stronger, but it fails to acknowledge trade-offs and this simple question. If we evacuate Afghanistan, what will happen? The no more need endless wars crowd always refuses to answer. They prefer to live in a dream world rather than face the reality that our enemies are ideologically opposed to Western civilization and will gladly stage another 9-11 if they have the opportunity and means. They are at war with us whether or not we are at war with them. Leaving Afghanistan would inevitably create a terrorist safe haven. So I think that's the argument for not for having a presence was, I mean, I know the, the slogan used to be you'd rather fight there than fight here, right? Like that you try to keep them busy, keep the terrorists busy on that soil rather right. than fighting them over here. But, um, but I do, I, I do, I personally feel less safe today than I did a year ago. I'll say that. I really Absolutely. do. So with that, if you have answers, uh, we got tons of questions. We'd love to hear yeah. from you guys. We'll bring more information as we better understand it. We will point you to the resources we're looking at, like Smart Her News. Go follow her. Uh, Barry Weiss just released a podcast this week talking about Afghanistan. I know Charlie Kirk did one on Afghanistan that uh, I think Amy and I listened to. So we are trying to gather the information from a variety of sources. It's easy to find it on mainstream. Go, you know, we've got that there too. But go look, look from a variety of sources to understand this because it's something we all should be paying attention to. Absolutely. Yes. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. -bye.